Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingBrew.com. Back again for another fun, negative week of Brewers Talk. It's been, it has been, uh, what the bad news just keeps on coming. But I, I want to start with with some good news here. You know, last week we, we did the episode a day early because we both had uh, some... You know engagements going on on Thursday. Matt, how was the the radio show filling? And I haven't gotten a chance to to talk to you about it yet. How'd it go? Uh, the radio show was good. I definitely uh, played Robin to the Batman in that one, and I was just fine with that since I've never <laughs> quote unquote co-hosted a radio show before. But uh, no, it was fun. Um, Leo, who ran the show, was great and was able to kind of just like set me up and have me prepared for everything that was going on. Got to talk to and meet um, Rob Zerjev, the CEO uh, and owner of the team. Uh, Joe Aroll, the manager of the Timber Rattlers. Super nice guy, super laid back. Seems like, like he's from down south, but he seems like a, like kind of like Wisconsin country boy almost. Like he... He seems to like it up here, and I, it doesn't surprise me because he, he looks like he fits in well. Um, talked to Little Packers, which is slightly outside my wheelhouse. but Just um, a little bit. Shout, shout out to Paul Brettel from Dairyland Express. I actually browsed his Twitter timeline real quick. Um, to Old get friend, info. Paul Brettel. Yes, yes, friend of podcast. Um, got some info from there, so I wasn't you know taken off guard by anything. And I... I keep up with the Packers, let's be honest. I live in Wisconsin. But, yeah, uh, yeah. and then got to chat a little craft beer at the end. And then go to a Timber Rattlers game, which was fantastic. First time I've ever been up there. Beautiful field. Um, For anyone who's been there before, here's a little insider information. Um, Apparently they are in left field, where it's currently just a wall. They are putting seating back there over the offseason. And so the entire... Outfield will be you'll be able to wrap around and walk around the entire stadium Ooh. from like and catch some Jackson Churia home runs. Just kidding, he's not no. coming back. He gone. He gone. Uh-huh. But you got a chance to see him before he went up. I did, and he hit a single in that game. There so, you go. Yeah, it was good times. Good times all around. It's not as cool as seeing a home run to dead center, but no. it's still <laughs> cool to see him. No, but but yeah, that's Jose Acosta. They all like five foot ten of him at most or whatever he's a tiny looking dude but he he launched an oppo taco during that game and that was fun nice. uh and alexander corniel pitcher uh who started the game uh, he's a guy that i'm going to be uh, kind of uh, uh greg young actually brought him up as a guy to kind of watch out for when we had him on talking about some of the mudcats mm-hmm. and so getting to see him in person um he's got some interesting stuff uh, i'm not saying like he's you know surefire future starter for the Brewers or anything like that, but you know, may, might keep an eye on him. Yeah, just just you know, see see what he does. But yeah. um yeah, that's that, that's good. That sounds like a very fun uh filled day. Getting to meet the manager, CEO, president, hosting a radio show. That's a it's a busy day. So very busy day. Very yeah. very full day. I ended up going to the Brewers double header that day against yeah. the Giants, and they won both games, which was great, and we were up in a suite um, up, on, up on the third deck. It was my dad's 65th birthday slash retirement uh, celebration party. He's retiring at the end of the month, so woohoo for that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so so we're up there. You know, everyone's just kind of you know, showing up, family, friends. You know, everyone, we're, we're up there. We're having a good time and everything. So we're up there in a suite, and I look over – to my right, and I see my bosses. Ah! I take I take a day off of work ah. to come down for this double header to be in a suite, and I look over and I see all of my bosses. Wow! <laughs> the corporate bosses bought a suite, and like they had a, like a whole bunch of the managers down there, <laughs> two suites over, so I can look over and wave and say hi, and they can all see me. It's like, oh no. <laughs> Hey, it's your day off. Uh, all you got to do is not, uh, you know, go running shirtless on the field or something like that. Well, yeah, yeah, from the from the third deck, that'd be that'd be a feat. <laughs> oh man, I remember a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure. I don't think it was at 
was it at that game? No, I don't think it was at the doubleheader game. I think it was a different game that I was at. Someone ran on the field. It might have been during the doubleheader. But someone ran on the field um, during the game and, you know, running around through the outfield. And then they end up getting tackled by security. But he gave a he gave a pretty solid stiff arm. Was that during that game? I, I have to check my, my phone here. But just give me a second. Oh, my God. Yes. That, oh, no, wait. No, that's. That is just uh, me playing Corbin Burns' uh, intro music <laughs> in some places. Um, but yeah, I remember that happening a, a couple of weeks ago. He gave a gave a solid stiff arm to security guard before getting tackled. But um, but yeah, so it's like you, you see the bosses right over there on the day off. I'm like, I feel like this is this is like Ferris Bueller, like things happening. Like go to a baseball game on your day off, and you see your bosses there. Your bosses like see you sort of, but they can't really catch you. I don't know. Do. I, yeah, by one over, said hi, you know, and it, it was all fine. And I am okay. still employed, so there I got you. that going for me. Because <laughs> because being able to go to a double header, one ticket, two games, that's a lot of beers you're loading up on. So depending and on, in a suite, yeah. So essentially free beer. That's true. So depending on at which plenty point of Miller Lights stocked in that. Saw your bosses. I mean, that could yeah. have been dangerous or not. Yeah, luckily I didn't get too bad, but okay. at least at least not when I saw them. Uh, and a lot of them left by by the uh, second game was was going, but that's their problem. I stayed because of course I did. So that was a that's kind of it for the positivity. Oh <laughs> um, it has been another rough week in the land of the Brewers. Um, you know, Corbin Burns, uh, should, should we get into yeah, this or should we, or should we do more happiness first? No, no, we've got to talk about it. I know I, I was prepared for this. I, I knew you were going to have things to say, so let's just get it on the table. Start us off. <sighs> okay, so... You're, by the way, for anyone, obviously, since this is audio only, David is also wearing his Cyburns t-shirt, I see <laughs> So I am <laughs> clearly I he am. Was getting himself in the right mindset. Th- that was that was totally unintentional. Yeah, it sure, sure. was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So in case you you haven't heard this past week, Corbin Burns talked to friend of the podcast Adam McAlvey and was asked you know about you know his future with the Brewers and you know if there had been any contract talks and Corbin Burns said no. You would think. Uh, by this point, but the Brewers have not reached out to try to initiate any sort of contract extension talks with him. They haven't reached out to his agents, haven't reached out to him, they haven't expressed any sort of willingness uh, during spring training and uh, talking, trying to avoid arbitration. They were only interested in one-year deals, and now Corbin Burns is worried that he might be the next to get traded. You know, Josh Hader wasn't really uh, getting talked to about an extension. He ends up getting traded with a year and a half to go. He's looking at, you know, next trade deadline, I'm going to be at a year and a half to go. Are they going to trade me then? And it is so sad to me, Matt, that Corbin Burns, a Cy Young winner, the ace of this team, the guy you will want to build around in a starting rotation, he is worried about being traded from a team with playoff and World Series aspirations being traded because they don't want to pay him and feel they can't afford him. So trade him now and get something while you can. That is so sad, not only for Burns, but for the Brewers as a whole, that their ace has to worry about that and is thinking that because of how the situation has played out. Yeah, let's let's be upfront here. Like we're very aware that the chances of the Brewers being able to sign a player like Burns who is going to, you know, command the type of contract that he's going to command are probably on the lower end. We get that. Doesn't mean we don't want it to happen, but we're 
we're not delusional here. We we're aware of the Brewers' history in terms of doling out long-term expensive contracts. But that doesn't mean you can't at least start to have the conversation. Like even if and you you wrote an article on it and and you went over every aspect of this from basically you know what we just said to the what the Brewers could have done and all the Brewers needed to have done at this point was hey let's talk long term contract at some point simple as that just throw it out there and to me like it's surprising. For a front office that supposedly has left no stone unturned when it comes to signing players, trading for players, like acquiring players in any sense. The Brewers, for Christ's sake, were in the Juan Soto hunt. Like, however seriously they were in it. Yeah. They They at least called. Yes, exactly. That's my point. Like, they at least touched base. They, They checked in. They said... What would it take? The Nationals might have said it would take your entire farm system, but they at least checked in. And that's why the Brewers were in some of these different reports about, you know, they've looked into Juan Soto. If they're going to look into a player like Juan Soto, who, by all rights, they definitely don't seem like they would have a chance of actually outbidding other teams for, why wouldn't they at the very least just check in with Corbin Burns. And and you also put out a very good point in that article about how, like, yes, we realized there was a lockout and that for a good portion of that offseason, there was a period of time where teams couldn't talk to players. Fine. But there was a period before that where they could, and there was yeah. a period after that where they could. And in that period after that, the Brewers didn't make that many moves. They signed Brad Boxberger. They signed Andrew McCutcheon. That was pretty much yep. it. So it's not like they were like stressing out about all these different, you know, uh, transactions that they were making. They, I mean, they, they, they had their arbitration guys all at once. Yeah. I mean, you, like you had all like they have a huge slate of guys in arbitration that they were trying to settle with and just kind of get over with. And they had a very limited amount of time for that when it came to exchanging arbitration figures, avoiding trials and things like that. And, like, I get that. You're just trying to run through them, just get the one-year deals, get them done, get them out of the way, and move on to the next. And that's fine. But, as we said before, all it takes is a sentence or two being like, hey, look, right now we're only going to look at one-year deals. Once we get all this arbitration stuff out of the way this year, we we can talk long-term, rest of spring training, during the season, next offseason, whatever. We'd love to talk that right now. We just want to get one-year deal done, get it out of the way, make sure we have this year taken care of, and then we can move on. But they didn't even do that. They they didn't even say, hey, look, we're interested. We can't do it right now. Shorten time frame. Like, that's all you got to do. Two sentences. But that's it. And they they couldn't even make that much effort. And and that's a good point you raise on. It's like, look, you you put in – you know, you don't leave any stone unturned, but, and, you know, when it comes to acquiring outside players, Juan Soto, acquiring whoever else, you call on everybody, but you're not calling your own player, your own star player, your own Cy Young winner that you drafted and developed. This front office drafted him in 2016, their first draft. They drafted Corbin Burns. And they developed him, and they turned him into a Cy Young winner. And they won't even call him and say, hey, we'd love to sign you to an extension and at least explore what might happen. I mean, Burns says, like, look, I've want to, I want to stay in one jersey my whole career. I, I'd love to stay here, you know, however many years, five, seven, eight, ten, however many years in his career, he'd love to stay with the Brewers. And you don't know, you know what kind of, hometown discounts, I, I put in air quotes here, that he might be willing to accept. Mm-hmm. And maybe he wouldn't be willing to accept much of one. You know, it's still going to cost him a lot. No matter what kind of hometown discount you do get, he's still going to cost a fortune. He's going to cost more than Christian Yelich on an annual basis. So it's going to be a lot. 
but you don't know what it's going to be unless you try, unless you call him or call his agent and ask him and try to talk and work it out and see if you can do something. And now you've traded away his best friend on the team in Josh Hader because you weren't willing to pay him. And now he's wondering if he's going to be next. And that is just the, the Brewers have completely botched this whole thing and may have completely ruined whatever chances they did have of signing Burns to an extension already. Right. Well, especially because the longer this takes, the more it's going to cost. And so you would think it's kind of the, the same thing with Josh Hader. The closer and closer he got to his free agency year, the less likely it was going to be that the Brewers were going to be able to sign him long term. Because for every year that he kept putting up stats, putting up incredible stats, that kept just driving his potential future price for a contract up. So with Corbin Burns, it's the same thing. The time to have at the very least even just thrown out on the table the possibility of an extension is now. Like it would have been this last offseason. Because for every offseason that now passes, it's is it he's becoming more and more and more expensive. And less and less and less likely that the Brewers will be able to afford him. So the the fact that they haven't even approached his agency at all to talk about it, like that, it, when I was on the radio earlier today with Leo and Balky up in Green Bay, they had posed the question of, is this basically a sign that the Brewers are already admitting that they're out? And, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that with 100% certainty, but it's got to be awfully close because they're they're not going to as time passes by they're not going to have better chances to be able to extend him and it it, it sucks that they just they they didn't even they haven't even tried yet they haven't even mentioned they haven't even said hey we'll talk just that just simple as that and he hasn't yeah. even gotten that like that's uh terrible yeah no, no communication at all as as burns has put it and it's just it's so sad. And the best chance I think the Brewers had of extending Burns was after the 2020 season. Because, you know, after 2019, he was terrible that year, you know, sent down. You know, there, there's no reason to extend him at, at that point. That makes sense. But 2020 comes around, and yes, it was a shortened season, uh, but he made major improvements. If he had just one more out, he would have, you know, qualified with the innings and he probably would have finished higher than sixth in Cy Young voting. But at that point, he finished sixth in Cy Young and you could tell that he turned it around and that he had figured it out as a starting pitcher. And he still would have been cheaper back then because he was relatively unproven. It was a few starts, but you know him better than anyone else. You know, you, you got Chris Hook, you got Craig Council, you got the guys looking at him. You know he's got the goods. That This is a guy that you'd want to invest in long term. He doesn't, have the, he doesn't have the track record yet at the big league level. So sign him now, or at least attempt to, to start trying to sign him now. And you could still probably get a decent discount like they did with Freddie Peralta. Freddie Peralta wasn't really proven when they signed him. They signed him to a long-term extension, and now it's looking like it's going to be an absolute steal. You could have done the same with Burns, but they didn't. And part of that could have been because, you know, you're coming off 2020 and you had no fans and much lower revenue and that whole thing. And if there wasn't that whole COVID thing going on, if it was just a normal 162-game season, yeah. you probably could have done that. You probably could have had the revenue. You could have had the money and – um you could have seen Burns perform and be like, okay, this is a guy that we're going to want to invest in long-term. But then after he wins the Cy Young, everybody knows that price skyrocketed yep. through 2021. With every start he made, that price was going up and up and up. And the longer they waited, the price just kept on going up. And I'm not sure if it was like the stock market, they're waiting for it to come down, but that stock ain't coming down anytime soon. And now it's out of their price range most likely. And it's just, it, it's sad to see how, the, how they've mismanaged it because Burns, if there's any 
pitcher in the league you would want to invest in long term, it'd be Corbin Burns. His track record of health, his his desire to dominate, his work ethic, uh, his stuff, just everything that he's got, the, the way he attacks hitters, the stuff that he has, and and how he's been able to be a model of, of consistency, being out there on the mound every single day as I – hold on a second. Got a knock on wood. Okay. <laughs> like, got that taken going? care of. Um, but, yeah, as he's done that – like that's a guy you'd want to invest in. That's a, that's a guy worth paying for. And they just haven't, they haven't even tried to have the conversation about it. Yeah. It's, but it's also not like they spent no money going into 2021. They brought in Colton Wong on a contract going into 2021. They spent money on Jackie Bradley jr. For Christ's yeah. sake, uh, going into 2021. So it's not like they were just like, Oh, you know what? You know, 2020 was, so crazy that we're just going to like just roll out what we have sign veteran minimum deals and spend no money. No, they they could have done that with Jed Jerko if they wanted to. Yeah. So they spent money going in 2021. They could have invested some of that money. Like you said, like, yes, he was only one year removed from a terrible year, but they knew what they had. They knew what they worked on with him in the ever so mysterious pitching lab and what that translated to into 2020. And you, you brought up a really good point about um, Freddie Peralta. Like when they signed him to that contract, he was still a reliever. Like he was not a proven at all starter at that point. They said when they signed the contract that they still had the long-term vision of him becoming a starter in the rotation. But even after he signed that contract, he's, what they didn't just throw he was still fighting for a spot in spring training that year yes exactly and so they were willing to give a now granted again like it they got him for a freaking steal um but they were still able to take a chance take a bit of a gamble in that contract with a unproven pitcher you had a guy in corbin burns who was more proven after a 2020 season and you still didn't engage at all in any sort of talks at that point about an extension, let alone a season later after he's more proven after winning a Cy Young. Yes, that drove the price up. Sure, 100%. But again, like it's just, it's so weird that nothing has been put on the table. No word, no mention, no let's chat, nothing. And that's that's frustrating for, you know, for everything we keep hearing. We, we've seen the hater trade at the deadline and the Kane comments have now come out. And now we hear about um, the Corbin Burns stuff. And it's just like piling on for Brewers fans, just these this disappointing feeling about the front office and kind of like we mentioned I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. Like, this is something we're not used to. We've been praising this uh, front office for years and years and years. And no, it's not always perfect what they do, but they keep the team in contention. And they have a good vibe in the clubhouse. And everything seems pretty much sunshine and rainbows for the most part outside of the not getting to a World Series. And so this is just this is uncharted territory for Brewers fans having to like keep hearing these just oddly disappointing things about the front office. And this, I know for you, is probably the most disappointing. This uh, is more personal other, even. Right. But it's yeah. not just you. It's, it's other Brewers fans too. We've all enjoyed watching Corbin Burns. We all want Corbin Burns to stay here. It's, it's an amazing story. A guy that was basically just so many Brewers fans wrote off completely after 2019 as a complete failure, which is obviously ridiculous considering his age. Um, but it happened, and they turned him around, and that is the comeback story that you love to hear out of players. Comes back from being demoted all the way down to double A in 2019 to winning a Cy Young two years later. That's the type of player that Bruce fans would just love to have here year after year after year. And as far as we know... It's just it's, they're not even talking about it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. And then, and then you know Corbin is now 
So, I mean, you see what happened at this past trade deadline and, and Josh Hader, and he gets traded away. He's an, he's a four-time all-star closer on a first-place team at the deadline, and he gets traded away for prospects. You know, that, that sends a message to the clubhouse, not only about how they feel about the team this year, but to all the other all-star players like Corbin Burns that it's like, okay, am I going to be next? Like, I, I thought this was a, you know, a playoff contending team. And, you know, now we're trading away all-stars for prospects. Like, front, front of the rotation aces like Corbin Burns should not have to worry about getting traded unless their team is really, really bad. Like, you know, you see Chris Sale was traded from the White Sox. The White Sox were bad. You know, like, whenever these aces move, it's because they're on bad teams. And now Burns is worried about that same thing. And it's like, are the Brewers a bad team? And, you know, granted, you know, there's going to be a lot of people on Twitter that are going to say yes. But, you know, they're, they're still... They, they're around postseason contention. They're not currently in it, and I'm not sure if they're ever totally going to get back into it this year. But they're a team that's like, oh, we're not interested in a long-term rebuild. We're trying, like, you know, playoffs each and every single year. That's what we're going for. And, you know, if the players are worried about that and worried about getting traded away, even though they're performing extremely well at the big league level – and those are guys that are contributing to wins and guys that normally you'd like to keep around on a winning team. If they're worried about that, that that is a very sad state mm-hmm. for the organization. And I will say this. I, I will be so bold as to say this. If the Brewers trade Corbin Burns before he reaches free agency, I will no longer be a fan of this organization. I, I may still cover them. You know, as part of my job or whatever else, but I it, it is going to be impossible for me to remain a fan of this organization if they trade away the best thing that has ever happened to them and their player development system in the past 20 plus years. Really, in, the, in their entire franchise history, they have never developed a starting pitcher like this that can perform like this, right that, that have this stuff. They have not done it ever. And if they trade this dude away early with some BS excuse about how the long-term health of the franchise, who could you possibly get or develop that could be better or bring more production or bring more ability to have to win games than Corbin Burns? You can you can pop up guys like Aaron Ashby and, and Freddie Peralta and sign them to cheap extensions. But they're not Corbin Burns. They can't put up the production that Corbin Burns can put up. And if you trade him before he reaches free agency, if you trade him a year and a half before or a year before or whatever, I I cannot take it. If you lose him in free agency because New York or L.A. is going to pay him $45 million a year and you just can't afford that, I can accept that. You know, like it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt like hell. But if you if you lose them in free agency, okay, look, you're a small market team. You're ace reach free agency. You couldn't come to an extension. You tried your hardest, though, if they actually do start trying their hardest. You tried to sign him to an extension. You couldn't do it. He leaves for someone with way more money. I get it. But if you trade him beforehand, you signal to not only the players – but to everyone else, that this team does not care about winning. I don't care what prospects you get back. I, I don't. I don't care who it is. I don't care what your return is. Trading Corbin Burns would be waving the white flag, signaling surrender on winning, and I will lose all faith and trust in this organization. Yeah, there's a different here, different difference here with Burns and Hater and wanting to trade Hater before reaching his free agency year. And I thought I, I was resigned to the fact that they were going to wait it out with Hader and just keep using him until he hit free agency. They didn't. But Josh Hader, as a closer, has much more of the possibility of just imploding. That's That happens all the time with closers. That just out of nowhere, they just turn from dominance to... What the hell happened? We've kind of already seen it with Hater. Now, that could have just been a bad stretch. That might not necessarily 
B, he's just done, uh, no longer dominant ever again. We've seen it for pretty much the 15 years prior to Hayter's arrival in Brewers' closer history. Exactly. You, you get a closer for a year or two, and he's good, and then you know, then, then he hits the skids. I mean, John right. Axford was probably the, the one who was able to withstand it the longest. He lasted, what, three years? It, as not, a, I'd say like two and a half, I think it was. Honestly. Yeah. I love John Axford. I I'm one of the largest John Axford fans that exists. I know you are. But I, I'm very aware that he had a short shelf life, as did Jim Henderson, as did Derek Turnbow. You know, Trevor Hoffman uh, went years and years and years. He's one of the exceptions to the rule. But when once he got to the Brewers, he only had a couple of years left in the tank. He so was 40. With, yeah, with you Brewers. know, it was, it was that like, for him. You take his track record before that, he's a little bit different of an yeah. animal. Francisco Cordero. Oh. Uh, yep. Francisco Rodriguez was up yep. and down. I mean, yes. you like you can run through the history of Brewers closers, and every year or two they change. Right. And you well, know, it's it's not just because they got a new guy; it's because the other guy burned out and all yeah. of a sudden wasn't good. So it makes more sense to trade Josh Hader while you can still get something for him. Court starting pitchers, completely different animal way longer average shelf life and so and way higher value and way higher value exactly because i mean those guys impact six seven eight innings or more per game yes you know that 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 they're in and you know relievers your top relievers make maybe 20 you know million years for the for the elite elite relievers the starters are making mid-upper 30s and then, of course, there's Scherzer, who I think screwed up the whole uh, average annual value market uh, for starting pitchers. And now, you know, if Burns is looking for $43 million a year, you know, the, the Brewers aren't going to be able to touch that, I don't think. So, yeah, so you know, the, that, that may have screwed them up. It may have pushed them a little, a little too high. But still, you got to try. Right. Yeah, so I guess the point I was trying to make is that, like, you might want to think back, think to Josh Hader, which just happened, about how well, oh, you had a, a different situation or similar situation where the Brewers had a pitcher who's getting, you know, just a couple, you know, creeping up on free agency, about to command some money. The Brewers end up trading him to at least get something for him. Totally different situation. It makes more sense to do that with a closer than it does with a starter, unless the Brewers end up having just a, a shitty year in, in his last year or something like that as a Brewer, and then they trade him because they're out of contention. I guess I could see that being fine, but that's not supposed to happen, right? Because the Yeah, I mean, you, you traded haters, so you'd stay in contention. Right, bites of the apple. You're, the, 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 the whole thing that Eric Lauer was talking about, about how... Every time uh, someone says bites at the apple, drink. <laughs> Shots. Um, yeah, so theoretically that shouldn't be happening. That shouldn't even be a scenario. But if it were, okay, I would understand teams that fall out of contention do that all the time. You know, trade a uh, high-value player for... But what if they were a first-place team, Matt, like they were with Josh Hader? <laughs> then, no, I would say please don't trade Corbin Burns if that's the case. Um, oh, my God. Hader with that the case, but we've been over that several times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I looked at the numbers uh, today here, and uh, I tweeted them out. Both Taylor Rogers and mm-hmm. Matt Bush have ERAs over four and a half um, with the Brewers. Denelson Lamette has a 3.21 ERA and uh, in 14 innings with the Rockies. And Trevor Rosenthal has a zero ERA in exactly zero innings pitched with zero pitches thrown because he's been hurt for two and a half years and he is still hurt and not going to be able to pitch for the Brewers. I, I still cannot get over that, but... Yep. That will pale in comparison to if they ever end up moving Corbin Burns like Corbin Burns is afraid is going to happen because now they put that thought in his head. But prior to Hader getting traded, that thought was probably never in his head. 
about oh. about them trading him away before he reaches free agency. It's like, oh, you know, maybe we'll you know we'll wait whatever on extension or just you know take it to free agency, take it year by year, whatever. But now that now that hater's gone, it's now that thought's in there. How do you get it out? You don't. Nope. Unless you actually unless you sign to an extension. Exactly. Which would be which would be very nice. I would like the Brewers to do that. I've, I've been trying to speak it into existence over the past yeah. few months, but apparently they don't listen to me. It's uh, okay. Why don't you listen to me, David Stearns? I'm smart. Which, I don't I don't have a Harvard degree, but I'm smart. If the Brewers went relatively minimal on offensive contracts or position player contracts this offseason, so like declined. Uh, Colton Wong brought up Bryce Terang, stuck with Urias at third, maybe signed an extra utility guy or something like that. I don't know. Um, but Jace Peterson, right? Uh, you know, let Narvaez walk, go Caratini Feliciano as a catching (laughs) tandem. And you mean go Feliciano Caratini? Feliciano, of course, of course, of course. But yeah. if they went relatively minimal in terms of offensive additions over the offseason, and it meant that they were able to then sign Corbin Burns to an extension, would you be good with that? Yes, because, you know, you look at this farm system, and this is something that um, that they've really kind of needed for the past couple of years. This farm system is chock full of hitters. They have been drafting <laughs> – hitters the last couple of years they, they've been working on it you've got a very stocked triple a roster you know you got feliciano you got terang you got garrett mitchell you got sal freelich you got asteria ruiz you got joey weimer um you got those guys coming up and they're going to be making very minimal salaries over the next few years so if those guys are able to come up you don't need free agent offensive additions you can um, you can just kind of call on those guys. And, you know, if, if Hunter Renfro leaves, if they trade Renfro or, or they let him reach for agency after next year, call upon Joey Weimer. Joey Weimer is like is essentially Renfro, but with more foot speed and more yeah. stolen base ability. Um, you can get center field fixed with some sort of mixture of Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich and, and Asteri Ruiz. One of those three guys has to pan out, you would think. And if not, Jackson Churio is coming up pretty quickly. He's already up in double A um, for, for the final week of the season here. So you're going to have that covered. Christian Yelich is going to be out there, whether you like it or not, Christian Yelich is going to be there. Um, Bryce Terang is going to be coming up. You got Willie Adamas that's still there. Uh, Feliciano coming up. You've got the hitters coming up through the system. So, if this is able, you know, if they're able to save enough money to, you know, by not going after other guys, you know, for, for the offense and just kind of roll with these young kids. And if these young kids are able to pan out, then I could totally see that working for the Brewers. You know, save the money, sign Burns for the next three years. You're going to have a, probably half of your lineup making league minimum or slightly above with those prospects, the outfield guys, Terang, Feliciano, you roll with those guys and they're able to hit your offense is good. You've got your ACE locked up and you can roll as a contender for the next couple of years. Like, like you can actually stay and get your bites at the apple drink. (laughs) So I would do it. But I'm also slightly biased as the uh, conductor of the Corbin Burns Cy Young hype train. No, I, 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 th- I think it's an interesting thought, and and this is not, like not even talking about the fact of like, do the Brewers should the Brewers pony up more money than they actually do? Should they raise the payroll? Should they be able to afford a you know replacement at third base or something? And Corbin Burns like. We're not at this point. We're not getting into that argument. We we could go an entire extra episode on that. Yeah, we've got the whole off season coming up there. Right. We're we're talking from the stance of if they operated off of the same payroll or whatever, you know, would it make sense? And I think it's interesting because 
you look at the offense, and from a runs-per-game perspective, they're actually not a bad offense. They score just as well as, you know, most other teams. They're in the top third in offense. They have been for most of the year. So, you know, that's part of the question is, what do the Brewers actually need to add in terms of position players? They need to strike out less. They need to strike out less. They need to have less of these giant swings from having scoring 10 runs in a game to getting shut out in a game. They like they need they need the type of offensive players that allow them to have more consistent offensive production. So and th- and that's something I've been preaching basically all season. Um, could they do that with some of these guys coming up or some you know you know cheaper contracts? I don't know, um, but. I, I I tend to agree that I, I feel like if they just were to continue leading leaning into the building around the elite pitching, yeah, they've had their struggles this year, but I, I don't know that if you were to bring back that same core that that happens year after year. I, I I would I would prefer that they kept doing that. Sign Corbin Burns. Yeah, he's going to be expensive, but that's why you freaking extend him now. Um, you know, and if that means you can't extend Woodruff, but maybe you still could extend Lauer. I don't know. You've still set yourself up with a pretty damn good uh, base for your starting pitching. And then they seemingly are able to pop out relievers, you know, from a lot of different places. So I'm, I'm not as worried about whether they'd be able to keep up with the bullpen, but I think it would make a lot of sense to start reallocating some of those funds more towards the pitching staff um, than the offense because it seems like they're generally able to, from a runs per game perspective, keep up with the rest of the league in terms of offense. And so, and especially with some of these super talented guys coming up, it, it leads me to believe that they would still be able to do that even if they didn't necessarily go and get that like, you know, big name third baseman. I don't know that there's actually one of those coming in free agency. But that's another story. Um, I haven't even checked that yet. Yeah, it, I I had looked at one of the early um, free agent lists for this coming off season, and it was a lot of guys that were either obviously like the top of that list is all the guys that are too expensive for the Brewers. But then once you started kind of getting into their price range, it was a lot of positions that they're already fine at: starting pitchers, yeah. shortstops, um, you know, uh, outfielders. It, it, that was that was a lot of what was available. So you know, and yeah. that's not that's not final because you know guys get non tendered. There's there there will be more guys that become available, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I I I tend to believe uh, agree with you, and I am not as biased towards Corbin Burns. Um, <laughs> that I, I would be good if they decided to do that. If I heard that, hey, Burns is getting his money, but it means that we're not going to be able to bring in a Big name offensive free agent. Cool. Hallelujah. Yep. Yeah. Got Ruiz and Weimer and Freelick and all those guys coming anyway. Yeah. And that is where you're going to be really dependent on this farm system. The farm system hasn't produced much for bats the last couple of years. Um, and, but I mean, the guys that they got, the guys that they've been drafting the last couple of years, what the focus has been, has been low strikeout, high contact type of guys and less reliance on the home run ball. But what the big league team has been is reliance on the home run ball and a lot of strikeouts, not as much contact. The Brewers are top two in the league in three true outcome percentage. They're at 36.7% of their plate appearances and in either a home run, a strikeout, or a walk. And the only team that beats them is the Los Angeles Angels uh, mm-hmm. in that. And the Angels... Outside of Trout and Otani, suck. <laughs> so that's not exactly a team you want to be. You want to be right there with. But that that's what their focus has been. So I mean, you get Sal Freelick up, and he's only striking out like 12, 15 percent of the time, like he's doing now. He's getting the the you know multi-hit games and doing what he does at the top of the order. That's gonna change everything with this offense. You get Garrett Mitchell going. You get Estiri Ruiz. Going to that outfield, you know, with, with their ability to get on base and their speed and how they can just steal bases, turn singles into doubles, beat out infield grounders, 
all of that, that's going to change so much about this offense when those guys finally come up and, and they add to this group. And there's going to be less reliance on guys like Hunter Renfro and Rowdy Telez and Keston Hira and Mike Brasso and and all these other options that they got in there. And, and Willie Adamas, you know, you're not going to be as reliant on him to to be driving in all the runs from the two spot in the order because you're going to have Mitchell and Freelick uh, or, or Freelick and Mitchell or Freelick and Ruiz or Ruiz and Mitchell or you know, whoever, or Terang up there as well. And they're going to be in those one, two spots in the order. And then Willie can, can move around to a different spot, provide, you know, the power, provide whatever it is, you know, that, that he brings. And the offense can be a bit more functional. That way you have more guys getting on base, guys stealing bases, and you're able to, to really kind of drive things a bit more because you're putting the ball in play. And that's where these young guns coming up is so important that they hit. Because if they don't, the Brewers are going to be screwed no matter what. Whether they sign yeah. Burns or not, they're going to have to rely on these kids. Because with everyone else getting more expensive in arbitration, they're going to need the guys to come up and perform on league minimum salaries. It's a small market team. They don't have the payroll mm. to, to run like the Dodgers, where you can have pretty much your entire position player group making a couple million dollars a year. Like probably the lowest paid Dodger position player is making like two, three, four million dollars. The Brewers can't do that. Right. No, it, 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 it does seem like this is the direction that the team is kind of going. So then if you, if you're aware of that, if you know that, if you know, you're going to have a, a lot of players on this team, coming up very soon that are going to be on league minimum contracts, then why aren't you moving now, like looking to the future and starting to make these extensions? Like, you know, you're going to be able to at least somewhat afford some of them. And, and you know what, even if it wasn't Burns, you've got players like Woodruff, you've got players like Adamas, you've got players like to a lesser extent, maybe Telez, you know, all kinds of these different players who are candidates for extensions and it, maybe some of those other ones there's been conversations with. I guess I don't know. I can't say that. We only know that, according really to know Burns, about Burns, he hasn't. Um, but knowing that that's coming, you could start mo- moving forward on some of these extensions. But, you know, it hasn't happened. We saw the Ashby one, and that's great. And I'm glad they locked up Ashby. I'm, I'm glad that they, they see that talent and they were able to kind of sneak one of those uh, nicely priced deals under the table as early as they did. Um, but there's got to be more than that. There's got to be more security going forward, more of more of a core that we know is going to be around besides just Yelich, Peralta, and uh, Ashby. Ashby. Yeah, it's – you're going to have to – you're going to have to do it at some point. And then – of course, coming up, uh, Jackson Churio, you know, if he's if he turns out to be as good as we've seen him to be and that everyone expects him to be, um, if he is that next Ronald Acuna Jr., yeah. Wander Franco, uh, Julio Rodriguez type dude, that's a guy you're going to want to pay and lock up. Mm-hmm. You don't want to end up like the Washington Nationals where you're unable to to sign him because he wants so much money and you end up trading him well before he reaches free agency because you know you won't be able yeah. to afford him. So you don't want to end up like that. As weird as it is to say, you almost want to be more like the Mariners where he comes up, you sign him to an extension. You know, it actually, if – what you'd really want to be like is the Atlanta Braves, not only because they won the World Series last year, but every single guy they have locked up to a seemingly team-friendly extent. I mean, they got Ronald Acuna Jr. on an eight-year, $100 million deal. They got Ozzie Albies was the steal of the century. I don't know how they yeah. signed that. Um, they got they signed Austin Riley. They, they signed all these guys. Um, Matt Olson they signed pretty quickly. And they signed him to these to these deals relatively quickly. And it turns out being 
pretty team friendly as, as these guys perform. So like, that's what you'd like to see that that's what you want to end up being like more like the Atlanta Braves. And maybe they can do that with Churio. Maybe not. But again, that is, that is for some time in the future, but right now you got Corbin Burns and they haven't touched extension talks with him. And that's been a huge mistake. And really the whole past month, has been month plus now has been a huge mistake. Yep. Yeah, it sure has. But uh, all we can do now, I guess, is try and finish out this year. (laughs) There's 19 games now left between here and the playoffs. The Brewers are two games behind the Padres, but need to technically Eclipse them by a game to be able to make the playoffs because they lose that tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. So for now, we focus on trying to get to the playoffs. And if they do, that's great. We got some extra baseball to watch. If not, then it's going to be a real interesting offseason. I just, there's got, someone's got to get someone, some two people, some whatever need to get some extensions. There needs to be some movement on what kind of a core this franchise is taking forward to continue to be competitive. Again, you're going, you're trying to fight for those bites of the apple. Drink. Drink. Um, for as many years as possible and it, oh, it extend that competitive window. And I've said in the past that I'm, I, I am a proponent of them continuing to extend that competitive window window because I want to watch winning Brewers teams year after year. But you also need a core of players that you know are going to be around for a while to support extending that competitive window. You can't just be saying, you know, it's like any business. You need to have not just a one-year plan. You need to have a three-year plan. You need to have a five-year plan. Like, what's this team going to look like in three years? Right now, like you, between the three guys you have signed to extensions, great. And then these young guys coming up, like, what outside of that is this team going to look like in three years or five years? I don't know, because there's not a whole lot of players that they have locked down long term. And even those young players that are coming up, like, we can't guarantee that they'll all be here in three years or five years. Some of them may be traded. You know, yeah. some of them might Remember not when Kesson here was the greatest thing since sliced bread? Yeah. He was supposed exactly. to be this 300 hitter with huge pop and just make contact all the time. And now he strikes out 45% of the time. Yeah. What happened there? And, right. and so, I mean, will Garrett Mitchell work out? Will Asteri Ruiz work out? Will Sal Freelich work out? Will Joey Weimer work out? Will, I mean, Joey Weimer's going to, you know, work out, but. Uh, <laughs> Yes, that that man gets after in the gym. But will, will Bryce Terang work out? You know, it, it, it's hard to know unless you give these guys a shot. Asteri Ruiz got eight at bats when, when he was up. He got eight at bats over two plus games. He got he started two games. and I think it was a pinch hitter and another. And, and that was it. Garrett Mitchell has mostly been been riding the bench lately. It's been it's been a lot more Tyrone Taylor lately. Um, so, you know, is, is he going to get a, get a shot to, to get back going again? Um, you know, who are you going to roll with? So, and, and you don't know, they haven't called up Terang, which is still shocking to me. You know, they haven't give, given Ruiz much run. I mean, you believed enough in Ruiz to get him in the Josh Hader trade. Mm-hmm. So you might as well give him some run, see if he's good. You know, it's like, hey, like, like this is a guy that they clearly believed in if they acquired him for Hater. So I, I don't see why they're not giving him some run or why they're not giving Mitchell some run. I mean, they called him up for a reason. You know, it's not just to be the backup to Tyrone Taylor. He was their first round pick. He's not backing up Tyrone Taylor. Yeah, I mean, even when Jonathan Davis was up, like he got playing time here and there as part of a tandem with. Uh, Tyrone Taylor, and that's Jonathan Davis. Like, this is Garrett Mitchell we're talking about here. Um, You would think he has a higher ceiling, a higher potential for doing well than Jonathan Davis. So, yeah, get him some playing time. Um, 
I guess when it comes to like the roster math and everything like that with uh, Ruiz, okay, I guess I understand him not being on the roster right now. Are there other guys on the roster I would rather see him in front of? Sure, but those are also guys that I know the Brewers aren't going to move on from, so that's, I guess, a moot point. Um, But I would have liked to have seen them find a way to get him worked in the equation a little bit more, I guess. Um, I don't know. But for sure, next year and moving on, we know we're going to see more of him. We know we're going to see more of these young guys. But yeah, to kind of, I guess, get to, and that was a, a great point bringing up um, Keston Hira, is I'm not willing, out outside of Jackson Cherio, and even then, you know, I we need to see him, at, you know, with extended at-bats at AA and AAA and stuff like that. I'm not willing to say any one of these prospects are a surefire, you know, this is definitely the Brewers' future. After mm-hmm. seeing, we thought that with Hira. When we saw him, when we, when we heard about his tools, when he, we saw him in uh, the minor leagues, when we saw him first come up in 2019, we all thought, as Brewers fans for sure, that's the future. That's the future of the Brewers right there. And then it just kind of has gone in a different direction, and that direction is strikeouts. Um, <laughs> and yes, he's done a lot of other good things, and I think he's going up past this year, he's going to deserve some more consideration. But he definitely makes you pause a little bit when thinking about how sure you are that these, you know, this next wave of prospects is going to be the future. And I guess, if anything, it's a good thing then that we have so many of them so that if a couple of them don't work out, you know, we've got four outfielders that are basically ready to play either now or next year. Freeland, mm-hmm. Weimer, Mitchell, Ruiz. If a couple of them don't work out, well, if the other couple do, then that's fine. Um, you don't always end up having that, you know, abundance of riches, I guess. But I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna place a guarantee on any one of those until I see for a couple of years that okay, yes, now they're a productive big leaguer. You just, it's just, it's never, never a surefire thing with with prospects. Yeah. Especially with the Brewers and, and and hitting guys. I mean, Keston Hira, you know, he he had the you know the 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 big you know hitting ability and things like that, and he came up and I mean he was striking out like thirty percent of the time, but I mean you could deal with that because he was still hitting three hundred and and hitting for power, so it's like ah hey, you know what, it's still fine. And then the strikeouts continue to get worse, and then now even this year the strikeouts have still continued to get worse. So, you know, who's really to to blame here? Andy Haynes is gone. You know, it's not Andy Haynes' fault anymore. I mean, unless there's something that Haynes did that, you know, really screwed him up. But Ozzie Timmons and Connor Dawson have had a year now to to work with them. And they haven't really been able to to reverse uh, the, the strikeout issue. So, you know, I'm not sure who it is, but... Something happened there that that's causing Keston Hira to to go into this, and you know, like they have to figure out what's going on with that, what what's causing this, and how they can reverse it because that strikeout trend it, it's it's very concerning for a guy that all draft reports and and all scouting reports and all coming up through the minors and everything else was a dude who consistently made contact. He walked more than he struck out, and you know he he never really had the, these kinds of problems. Especially, like, I mean, in college he walked more than he struck out. I don't, I'm not sure if he put up those numbers when he was in the minor leagues, but it, it was closer. He didn't put up these kinds of strikeout numbers down there. You wouldn't have seen this coming through the minor leagues, and now all of a sudden here is the the most strikeout prone hitter in the major leagues. He's more strikeout prone than Joey Gallo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with him over the offseason, to be honest. If they do try and dangle him now as trade bait, now that he has kind of, outside of the strikeouts, been able to kind of work himself up as a valuable hitter. Like, he does produce now. Like, we we discussed... When he does make contact, yeah. 
uh, what's that? Well, when he does make contact, which right. isn't very often. Right. But, I mean, he's, his numbers are up there in OPS. He actually has a, at least decent uh, batting average at this point. Um, you know, take what you will about batting average. But it, it, to maybe say to another team, like, hey, here's this guy who, when he's not striking out, he actually does really well offensively. If you can figure out how to get him to stop striking out as much, you might have a gem here. He he kind of, you know, to have two guys on a roster who, in, in him and Rowdy Telez, who can only play first base or DH is kind of a little awkward when it comes mm-hmm. to the roster math, especially if they have any intent on having Christian Yelich next year spend more time DHing so that they can maybe open up left field for another one of those young guys to come mm-hmm. up. That makes it even a little weirder kind of having Keston Hira on the roster. So it, it just it would depend on whether other teams are going to be takers. Are they going to be as intrigued based off of kind of what's happened with Hira in the second half of the season to be like, oh, okay, you know what? Yeah, maybe we could work with him, but then what are you going to get back for him? I just, I'm, I'm interested to see based off of all of that info, what his future is after the 2022 season. Is he still a brewer next year? Does he get traded? Like, because now he's hitting arbitration. He's hitting arbitration for the first time this year. Yep. Or the, the, this off season. So now he's gonna. Now you're gonna have to pay him a, li- a little bit more. Um, I'm not sure how much he would get. Um, you know, there there are some offensive numbers I'm sure he could point to, and there's a lot the Brewers could point to that could be like, yeah, we're not going to pay you that much. But you know, now he's hitting arbitration. Now now it's a little bit different uh, for for Keston here and the Brewers. So yeah, they, they're gonna have to figure out what to do there. Because I mean, Telez. You're not really going to move on from Telez. You know, he's got 30 homers for you this season. He's producing pretty well. Got a, got a decent-ish batting average. I mean, he's a corner power guy. He's not going to be hitting 300. But Keston Hira could if you figure him out. And they've had a couple years now to try to figure him out and get him going again. And they haven't really been able to do it. They haven't felt comfortable giving him an everyday job. So he hasn't, he hasn't had an everyday job since April 2021, when he was struggling. So, mm-hmm. you know, how much do we really know about what he could be offensively? He hasn't he hasn't had the chance to show it every single day. Right. You know, granted, again, in, in the smaller sample sizes, he's struck out 45% of the time almost. And for a lot of guys, you got to start as a bench dude, a guy with not as much playing time and work your way up to being a starter um, and they have to put up those kind they have to still put up good numbers as a part-time player, but yeah, what they do with Kesson here is going to be very interesting because I could see them going in a number of different ways. I'm not even sure which way I would go with right. Kesson, whether I'd keep him or trade him or, or what I would do because he was your first round pick. They've invested a lot in him and they know the potentials in there. So if you give up on him and you tell someone else like, hey, there, there's a potential gem in here if you can fix him, the Brewers are going to the Brewers are going to want to make sure that he that they absolutely cannot fix him, that he is unfixable before they do that because they do not want to see him succeed elsewhere, uh, and then they end up looking like idiots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, it, it'll be an inter- really just the. There's a lot of It'll questions. be interesting. It, it, it's yes. something to keep an eye on. Yes. <laughs> that, that, yeah. We don't have answers yet. Um, no. We're probably not going to until until the offseason. And then we'll we'll see when, when spring training comes around, if he's still in the Brewers uniform or if he's in someone else's. You know, yeah. we'll we'll find out then what they're thinking. They're, they're not going to tell us beforehand. And we can sit here and talk till we run out of beer in the fridge. And, Which um, would take a long time. Exactly, exactly. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to keep everyone here that long listening to this. So we will cut it here for this week. A lot of talk about Corbin Burns this week, but it's warranted because that whole situation is a mess. The Brewers right now appear to be a Giants hot mess, and they are currently on the outskirts of the playoff picture. There's still a chance. There's still a chance. The division is gone. Um, there, there's no chance there, but 
there's still a chance for the postseason. And, you know, maybe if they get in, they could do something. I mean, it's the best of three. You go Burns Woodruff, you could win two, you know. But uh, we shall we shall see as September goes on and as we get closer towards the postseason. That'll do it for us this week. Uh, be sure to, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like, leave us a five-star review. That would be awesome. We'd love to see that. Um, and check out Reviewing the Brew for all the latest. Uh, got a bunch more good stuff coming up. Uh, over the next few days over at, over at reviewingthebrew.com. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.